0: Hello and welcome, you're listening to The Final Word on Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. It's August 11th, I'm your host, Gabriella Silva-Ponte. Today we'll be covering stories from Doug Ford's alleged preferential treatment, to the Onto Ottawa action, to Old Town Toronto's iHeart Market street music series. But first, let's take a look at today's top news. Ontario's premier Doug Ford denied that there was preferential treatment to certain developers and the choosing of land for the Greenbelt project. He said this at a news conference in Mississauga on Friday morning after reporters flooded him with questions following the Auditor General's finding. The Auditor General report released on Wednesday found that staff quote, favored certain developers with direct access to the housing ministry. CP24 reports it also found that the process lacked transparency, failed to consider environmental, agricultural, and financial impacts, and had no evidence that it would help meet the government's housing goal. Ontario's official opposition requested that the legislature be recalled to address the report in a letter sent today. NDP House Leader John Vanthoff wrote to Government House Leader Paul Calandra, Of greatest concern is the need to immediately reinstate Greenbelt protections for the land which was removed through the biased and negligent process overseen by the Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing. But Ford said in a Friday conference, no one had preferential treatment or changing it to build homes for people that need it. CP24 reports both him and Housing Minister Steve Clark told reporters that their government would be implementing 14 of the 15 recommendations from the Auditor General. The report found that more than 90 percent of the land was tied to three developers. They could see more than an $8.3 billion increase in the value of their properties. The report also found that Clark's Chief of Staff, Ryan Amato, implemented a strict three-week timeline for the team of public servants reviewing sites for removal and an altered criteria when it was initially determined most of its sites would not fit the set parameters. In addition to this, the report found that political staff forwarded emails sent to their government emails to their personal accounts, which violates cybersecurity guidelines, CP24 reports. The Premier's office has requested the Ontario Integrity Commissioner investigate Amato's handling of the file. One of Drake's Toronto dates for his It's All a Blur tour has been rescheduled. Scotiabank Arena's Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment announced the change on Thursday. The show was initially scheduled for 8 p.m. on Thursday, October 5th. CP24 reports it will now instead take place on Friday, October 6th at 8 p.m. His second Toronto show scheduled for October 7th will remain the same. CP24 reports MLSC did not provide reasoning for the change. In a statement, the company said, all tickets for the original date will be valid for the newly scheduled date, with no action from the ticket holder required. The dates were announced in April, after they had been mysteriously left out of the initial tour announcement made in March. The tour comes after Drake and 21 Savage released a joint album entitled Her Loss in 2022. The tour has already stopped in Montreal and will host a show in Vancouver on August 28th. Though tickets are still available, CP24 reports they cost upwards of $600. Akwesasne Mohawk Police detained 13 people who were allegedly attempting to illegally cross into the United States from Canada. This took place in the village of Kanatakan, also known as St. Regis. Its waters border Quebec, Ontario, and New York State. Police say they received the call on Saturday. CTV News reports officers found a family of four walking down the road and another family of nine in a private home. The Aquasasne Mohawk police turned them over to Canadian authorities. Aquasasne police say that human smuggling is a serious crime and encourage residents to report any suspicious activity. Canadian businesses are asking for the Modern Slavery Act to be enacted later than the upcoming January. The act was passed in May and looks to fight forced and child labor by pushing corporations to be transparent about their supply chains. CBC News reports mining and apparel trade groups say the government has failed to lay out the details of the law's requirements, which could lead to unwanted penalties and prevent critical goods from entering Canada. Executive Director of the Canadian Apparel Federation also told routers that the law amends Canada's Customs Act to ban goods made with child labour, but that there is no clarity on how this will be implemented. The new measure will take effect on January 1, 2024. Mining Association of Canada Vice President Ben Chalmers said, We are not arguing or disputing the principle of what this bill is trying to achieve or the specifics of what this bill is including. He said, we just want time to be able to do a better job when we start reporting. That is why we are seeking a one-year extension. CBC reports companies found to be in violation could face penalties of up to $250,000 under this new law. A survey released by KPMG in December of 2020 showed that out of 200 Canadian companies on their ESG performance, only 100 disclosed their management's human rights standards. A spokesperson for Canada's newly appointed public safety minister, Dominic LeBlanc, said this ministry, quote, has been working expeditiously to implement the law by January, and changes to this are not expected. CBC reports the companies must do their first reporting on or before May 31, 2024. Liberal Member of Parliament John McKay, who moved the bill, said, It's incumbent upon the federal government to be ready to receive their filings and to give advice as to what the filing should contain. He told Routers, I don't think the government is ready yet. Team Canada's baseball player Allie Schroeder is also a firefighter with the BC Wildfire Service. The team is in Thunder Bay, Ontario this week for the Women's Baseball World Cup qualifier. Schroeder is taking the field at third base, pitcher, and designated hitter for the national team. CBC reports that as of Thursday, Schroeder is batting .286 during the qualifiers, with two hits and seven at-bats, one RBI, and three runs scored. But Schroeder is from Fruitvale, B.C., where she is helping to fight forest fires. She said, You get a rush when you go into a big wildfire, and I get a rush when I get put into a big game. She added, It's just kind of chasing the next adrenaline rush. Schroeder described why she helps fight fires. She said, We're having a record-breaking season. I think it's now the worst season on record in B.C. We've been going since May and probably going to be going till October. CBC reports more than 3,000 fires have been recorded this summer. They have taken over more than 8.8 million hectares and required the evacuation of almost 5,000 people across Canada. British Columbia especially has seen some of the biggest fires this summer, with temperatures in the high 30s as approximately 400 fires continue to burn. BC fire officials have said 200 of those are considered out of control. Although Schroeder pointed out there is, quote, a lot of accumulative fatigue, she said she still practices even while she's on duty. She said, It's more or less bringing a baseball glove and some J-bands to a fire camp and finding a fence. I have one ball and I'll throw it against defense to mimic a long toss. She added, "It's more like maintenance now, not so much peaking or getting a whole lot better, but just keeping my body where it is and where it needs to be." Team Canada head coach Anthony Pluta said that although it's a challenge that Schroeder does both, they've, quote, "never been worried about her being ready. Pluta said, "We know her grit. We know how hard she works. We know what her heart's like and she's going to come out and compete and give us everything she has, no matter what. Schroeder described how much her mentality has changed throughout the years. When I was young, I had a hard time with the mental side of the game. One error would beat me up, and that was the end of the game. I'd be mad, but now coming back from wildfire, it's like I've just been working 16-hour days on the fire line, like grinding in the dry, hot heat, and now I get to be here with all my best friends and play baseball, which is the game I love. If there's pressure in a situation, I'm just like, I've had 10 times more pressure in previous weeks. Meanwhile, a national civil resistance campaign has been taking action over the past few days. Onto Ottawa is demanding that Canada implement a national firefighting agency that employs 50,000 full-time firefighters after a record-breaking wildfire season. According to a press release, Onto Ottawa said the season has amounted to 25 percent of total global carbon emissions. I interviewed Onto Ottawa spokesperson Laura Sullivan regarding the demands.
1: So we're an organization of ordinary people across the country, who are traveling to Ottawa iteratively, participating in sustained civil disobedience, nonviolent civil disobedience. Um, but we are ultimately demanding first and foremost, um, due to the absolutely critical fire situation that we're seeing right now. We're seeing uh, fires ravage, ravage this country and put so many people out of their, um, their jobs, their houses, their livelihoods, Um, people across the country have been affected by wildfire smoke. Um, So we're seeing that the government isn't doing enough about this and we're actually understaffed. uh, We're understaffing our wildfire personnel. So what we're demanding is that we're demanding that Canada implement a national firefighting agency that trains and employs 50,000 firefighters by the end of the year. And yeah, like I said, this is because uh, right now, Seventy-five percent of the wildfire fighting force is volunteer, and we've been losing firefighters every single year. And we've been pulling in firefighters internationally and provinces have individually. Um, some of them have defunded their wildfire force. Um, for example, in Ontario, Doug Ford defunded the wildfire fighting force by sixty-seven percent in twenty nineteen, um, which wasn't even restored. So uh, we're really seeing the government not even being able to handle the current impacts of the climate crisis uh, that are affecting people in this country. Uh, So we're demanding that they change that and um, implement this national firefighting agency training and employing uh, 50,000 firefighters. Um, But we're also demanding that Canada implement a citizens' assembly to tackle the climate and ecological crisis in less than two years. And the reason that we're demanding this is that, um, you know, right now, we are sleepwalking to our deaths. Um, In as soon as 10 years, what scientists are telling us, we might see two degrees uh, global average temperature rise, at which point we're going to see, um, we might see up to a billion people become displaced, uh, food shortages, droughts, water shortages, and um, just the space for complete societal collapse. So we need the government to take action um, because they know there's a climate emergency, uh, but we can't trust them to make these decisions anymore uh, because we've known about this emergency for 40 years. And... They have done nothing except increase emissions. So that's why we're demanding that there be a legally binding citizens' assembly that actually tackles the crisis at hand. So this is what we're fighting for, and we use the tactics of nonviolent um, direct action to achieve these goals.
0: Sullivan used washable pink paint to spray paint the Toronto sign at Nathan Phillips Square and then glued herself to it. She described the significance of this.
1: Right, so because um, we're following in the footsteps of other successful direct action movements, um, we tend to take actions that are, like, attention-grabbing. So when, since I'm in Toronto right now, and we're trying to raise awareness here for our upcoming campaign on August 19th, um, I painted the Toronto sign pink and glued myself to it because it's the one of the most iconic uh, landmarks in the entire city. So there's like, it says online that the Toronto sign is now just as iconic as the CN Tower. So we went for the biggest target and I glued myself to this sign uh, to really, you know, explain to people and really just demand and grab the attention that we need to get this message across uh, that we are about to start an action phase in Ottawa starting on August 19th and, uh, and that's why we did it. Obviously I didn't want to, to face the Toronto sign at all. Um, I, don't, I don't typically like doing those types of things but we just feel like we have no other option um, as we need we need to grab, grab the media's attention. So starting on August 19th, um, we'll be gathering in Ottawa, so uh, the nation's capital, and we will be participating in sustained direct actions on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays uh, for three straight weeks. So those uh, those disruptions will be things like roadblocks and marches, so there will be traffic disruptions with the intent here to gain as much national media coverage as possible. And then from this action phase, we will go into another mobilization and recruitment phase um, to try to get even more people to show out to show up to the next uh, the next action phase uh, following this one. So yeah, um, we'll also be having informational talks in Ottawa happening on uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, as well as a general assembly happening on Sundays, um, which will involve nonviolent direct action training, so that anyone who wishes to step forward into action with us will be able. Uh, to be trained to do so.
0: Sullivan was arrested and released for her actions.
1: So um, so this year I've been arrested twice um, under under the Onto Ottawa banner. And, um, you know, each time is a bit different. Um, I know that I do have to, obviously I recognize that, like, I, you know, I, I am like a, a, a white girl. Um, and that definitely does add a certain level of uh, privilege in the way in which... Uh, the police systems treat people individually so I will recognize that as I, as I explain the process that I've been through um, but this time around uh, getting arrested at the fine was not uh, super intense uh, I was handcuffed by my back I was brought into a police cruiser and then I was written up an undertaking and police and I'll have to go to court over this um, but I was charged with criminal mischief under 5000 okay. and the time prior uh, I was participating in an action where uh, I painted the tusks of the beloved woolly mammoth exhibits at the Royal BC Museum in uh, in Victoria. Uh, I was arrested under this action, and it was a similar process, except I was held for a, a bit a bit more time uh, when they brought me down to the uh, the holding cell. Yeah.
0: She also said she's hopeful that the government will listen, but that it will take a
1: lot of action. I mean, everyone can see that we're in a total fires crisis right now. Um, if you take a look up north, and, and I know people in this province have experienced a debilitating wildfire smoke and, and some of the worst air quality in the world this summer. So I know we can all agree we're in crisis. And what we're doing is, uh, yeah, demanding demanding this from our government. And, you know, uh, of, of course, I hope they'll listen. But I know that it, it will require... Uh, iteration of this action phase, and it will require us to continuously go back to the capital and participate in sustained disruption, uh, making the personal sacrifice to risk arrest. I know that that is what it's going to ultimately take uh, to get the government to take any action on this crisis. As uh, you know, we've been we've been crying out in every in every way imaginable for years and years and years now, and what we really need is as many people in the capital as possible to uh, to follow what's worked in the past, and uh, yeah, and. And uh, take direct action. I think that's the only the only way we can get anyone close to, to us.
0: And she ended with some important remarks.
1: The thing I'll add is that you know, uh, to anyone listening, we're we're in a time of complete crisis. Uh, our movement is completely nonviolent, and you know we're we're open to to whoever wants to join. Um, but we. We follow suit uh, within the principles of nonviolent direct action, and we are really willing to do whatever it takes to secure ourselves the future, um, because that is in our inalienable right. All around the world, people are, are dying right now because of this crisis, because of the emissions that this country is responsible for, and um, these fires this season are responsible for a quarter of global emissions to this date. So uh, our government is, is guilty and they're being negligent of a crisis that is already taking the lives and livelihoods of people all around the world. And this, if it hasn't affected you personally already, it will soon, it will impact all of us. And we have a very, very small window of opportunity. Uh, Sir David King, uh, ex-Chief Scientific Advisor to the UK government have told us we have less than two years left uh, to take action to save humanity. And, uh, you know, we're getting really close to that timeline of being up. So. Uh, it's time to take direct action. and if you're interested in joining us, um, you can find way more about us uh, at on to Ottawa at on number two Ottawa on Instagram, on Twitter,' um, or on Facebook. Um, there's also our website wwwonnumber 2 ottawaca And I will be giving a, a talk, a public talk that's free next week um, at 5:30 p.m. at Queens Park on Wednesday. So yeah, that's Wednesday, 5.30 p.m., Queen's Park. Um, I'll be giving a public talk, uh, really discussing why we're doing what we're doing and exactly how we're going to get it done. So it's time to act, uh, and it's time to pick a side.
0: As Sullivan mentioned, you can find out more about the organization at www.ontoottawa.ca. Finally, the iHeart Market Street Music Series features a variety of up-and-coming artists in Toronto. The event takes place at 8 Market Street on Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. and 5.00 to 7.00 p.m. It is a free event. According to Old Town Toronto's website, it is scheduled to run weekly until mid-September. I spoke to Director of Marketing, Events, and Member Services Robin Posner regarding what the event is.
2: So the BIA. post-COVID, I uh, was looking for ways to um, create spaces where people could come out and reconnect, um, heal, rebuild uh, in a safe setting, and also new ways to attract traffic to to the local businesses in our area. And we did that by uh, doing something that I think uh, was on the was a thought in our minds since uh, Market Street got redone uh, some years back uh, when it was resurfaced and created such that it was uh, without any borders. The intention was for it to be used as a pedestrianized street. So by uh, in 2021, we closed the street and did a pilot to see what the feedback would be from the community uh, and the businesses as to the enjoyment of the street. The feedback was excellent. Uh, So 2022 with the counselor's backing We closed the street again, but this time for the entire summer as uh, the appetite was there for it. Uh, And and by closing the street, I mean just um, closing it to vehicle traffic. Uh, It was open to pedestrians um, and uh, anybody could come on the street uh, at any point in time. Um, And so part of doing the activations to try and attract traffic to the local businesses we created a program uh, of music, which is the iHeart Market Street music program, and we have other programs that we do, like kids' programming and food related events, um, to kind of pair with the strengths of the area. So, not only did we start this program, but we uh, start a relationship with a, a company called uh, the Canadian Music Incubators Um, and they are a uh, a business that does promote up-and-coming artists. I think it's partly to do with uh, wanting to profile these artists and give them an opportunity to come out and perform and get uh, feedback from the the public and to experience the the live performance um, activation but it was also partly to do with budgets, I would think. Um, we have a specific budget that we have to work with, which is for our events. And uh, being able to use or to pay up-and-coming musicians was certainly more in line with our budget than being able to pay for higher-end performers. Um, and you're getting the same, uh, pretty good quality anyway. So we were very pleased with that.
0: She described what the outcome and turnout has been like.
2: It's been very positive. Uh, The uh, Market Street um, activations, particularly the music, we have uh, Tuesday and Wednesday lunchtime and evening music. Um, The feedback from the residential community has been extremely positive. We get uh, uh, regulars coming out every week. We also have um, a lot of visitors that come in the area and can sit around and get a picnic dinner from one of the restaurants and enjoy the music. Um, and the restaurants are enjoying an increase in attention to their uh, food and to being able to come and sit on their patios and have music playing that that, that their patrons can enjoy. And uh, and then, of course, people also venture into the market to see if they can get food there as well. So it's a great way to, to create... Um, movement and positive energy on the street, which can be enjoyed then by anybody. We do uh, make sure the, you know the, the BIA has invested a, a lot in into this as has the market in trying to make this um, activation something that appeals to, a broad spectrum of people. We program it in such a way that it's got a variety of programs for people uh, of all different areas. It's all free for them to come and enjoy. And the most important thing is to create spaces, urban spaces, where people can gather safely um, and really just uh, experience the area, enjoy the area, sample the food from the restaurants in the area, support our local businesses. And it all seems to be going in the right direction.
0: I spoke to one of this week's performers, Sarah Gao, who described what the atmosphere was like.
3: It's been really awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of people um, who've come out today, which is really nice. And they have like the seatings now, which is super cool. And people are dancing along and kids really loved it. Um, the people at the lunch tables were singing and everything. So it was just a really nice atmosphere to play
0: to. And she described her experience with music.
3: I've um, I started classical piano when I was like ten, so I have a uh, more of a classical background. And then at the age of sixteen, I like finished and I kind of shifted over towards singing. Um, and last year, I started a program with the Canadian Musicians Cooperative, and they're like a cooperative based out of Barry uh, who work on like professional development for artists. So I started singing professionally with them and um yeah i moved to montreal and have been kind of gigging and uh getting to know the scene there over the past year since then so that's been probably like a highlight of like my music experience so far was was moving there and seeing like the international culture and everything with with music there um it's like a huge center for for different kinds of music which has been really inspiring for my own my own music
0: gal added some words of wisdom for up-and-coming artists in Toronto.
3: I'd say, like, keep going and keep booking gigs and keep playing and take, like, every opportunity. Um, Even if it's something, you know, you might be hesitant about, like, I'd say, like, if it's the first time you're trying it, just try it and see if you like it, because you never know what kind of opportunity leads after that. Keep your mind open.
0: you can find out more about the iHeart Market Street music series, including upcoming performers, on their website at www.oldtowntoronto.ca slash marketstreet slash. That's our show. You've been listening to The Final Word on Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. I'm Gabriela Silva-Ponte. This episode was put together by myself. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.